Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number four of the Devaney Music Podcast. Today, I'm here with Brendan Gallagher, who is the front man for the band Last Year's Model, as well as the CEO of Black and Teal Concepts, which I believe is sort of a, a marketing and promotion organization. Do you primarily uh, work with artists then or just broad marketing? It's broad marketing. Um, we work with a few artists, but we also work with a lot of companies and organizations to help with branding. Okay, cool. And then uh, coincidentally, um, he's also the manager for Phil Joel, which may be interesting. Uh, not, not, the not the manager. What's your official role? No, uh, we, we, we operate in a consulting capacity for Phil. Um, the, uh, we do, we were doing and do uh, social media stuff whenever he asks, but we haven't done anything lately actually, because he's uh, focusing on another project right now. So we're not, okay. we're, we're not really doing anything at all there. Well, at any rate, he's the guy who connected we, me with Phil Joel, which was a uh, kind of a cool thing, but yeah. And your band last year's model has a new album out uh, called the neon lights collection. And that just came out yesterday. Uh, yep, yeah, absolutely. I've uh, been working on that. Uh, took, had a few singles here and there that we'd released, and then uh, COVID allowed us the time to actually just really sit down and focus on putting the album out. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, yesterday was the culmination. Cool. So then last night was your album release show? Yep. Okay. Yep. Had a good time up, at, uh, up in Smithfield, Pennsylvania, and uh, having a show up there with that, and it was fun. Okay. Nice. Were, were there any other artists playing or was it just you guys? We actually played a three hour set um, and uh, it was interesting because our bass player actually was down sick right now. And so uh, my guitarist and I switched back and forth on bass throughout the set. Um, so we had to completely wing that and that was fun. We did it. We, we pulled it off. It was good. It was a fun time. Wow. And you said you got home around 3 a.m. or? I got, yeah, well, got home oh gosh i don't know what time i got home but like then like actually relaxed and into bed and everything yeah it was 3 a.m when everything was like i'm done okay yeah well i'm kind of in the same boat because i got stuck working at my cna job until 2 a.m last night so i got home around 3 a.m as well and yeah just so everyone has very low expectations for this interview and then if it's great then we'll surprise everyone so you know we're both, we're both operating on uh, coffee. And, yeah, um, I've got coffee here, too. I may or may not have the pot sitting in front of my computer, too, just in case. But <laughs> when he says has the pot, he means coffee pot. I just yeah, everybody... coffee pot. Sorry. You know, just need to specify so we don't offend anyone. <laughs> I don't have a hookah in front of me right now. The way I kind of got connected with you was just in a random music discussion group. I think we connected over our our love for Kevin Max and uh, possible chagrin for other things, which we may or may not talk about. But you know, <laughs> probably, probably should just leave that be. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember that it was a thread with um, there was some Kevin stuff happening, and that definitely was. And then Newsboys conversation. Yeah, yeah. So um, your band last year's model. I know that you're you're totally new to me, uh, and this is. Is this your first album? I know you said you did some singles, but it is our first full-length album. Yes. Okay. And yeah, uh, some singles up at this point in time. Okay. How long have you guys been together? 
So the band itself um, is going on uh, 17 and a half years, but we didn't really start taking it seriously until about five years ago. Okay. Uh, the uh, the we we just played out randomly up until that point in time when we were you know invited places and things just weird things um mm -hmm. but uh yeah we played a venue a few years back that was like holy crap where have you guys been hiding and um <laughs> they kept booking us and then we just kept growing from there and uh yeah well now we've been doing it on a regular basis that's awesome so you've uh you've been a garage band for a long time but but now you're a a garage band we yeah. had my our practice space was my garage at my old house that's where we started that's awesome and now you're a garage band with a full-length album so you're moving up in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh you know a garage band that has uh uh awesome production mixing mastering our mastering guy actually is a guy named uh, hans decline who mm -hmm. uh mastered for uh, a couple of tracks for YouTube, the Pixies, Lisa Loeb. Oh, wow. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> working with some pretty high caliber stuff there. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually something I was wondering about because I, I definitely enjoyed the production on the album. And I was just wondering if if you guys were really good DIYers or if you had found someone awesome like him to record it. And it sounds like that's the case. So actually, huh? He didn't, he didn't record. He just mastered. The recording was my guitarist. We are oh, okay. actually our DIYs. Okay. Uh, uh, my, my guitarist at the beginning of COVID, he, he was recording some of his own stuff um, here and there. And then during COVID, he um, really just focused on it and got really good at it um, to a point where um, Hans even said half of his mixes he barely had to even do any mastering on. So, wow. uh, yeah, so it, it's been, but oddly enough, Hans still charged us for that. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> That's the music business. Uh, yeah, but no, um, it, 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 he's really, really good at production. Um, and he's working with a bunch of artists uh, and he, he'll, keep, he'll keep growing in that area. He's really doing really well. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, that sounds like a, a high compliment coming from someone like that. So, and and you guys just you describe yourselves as an alternative rock band, which is pretty fitting. Um, who would you say really? Well, maybe a better question is, how did you really get started out in in music? You you guys have been playing for a long time, but maybe to go even further back, how did you start out in music? Okay, that's that's a great question um i was 12 years old in middle school and they had these classes on um once a once a week you had to go take these elective courses instead of homeroom in the morning mm -hmm. and one was a guitar acoustic guitar class with a um teacher of mine named jim work um and that was the first time i ever touched a guitar and I just took right to it and loved it. And mm -hmm. um, so that's how I got started in music. I've always been a huge music fan. I thought I was Elvis Presley when I was like eight years old. <laughs> loved the Beach Boys. Uh, uh, grew up on Amy Grant. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's my, my musical like influences as a child were very like diverse. Um, I listened to everything. Mm -hmm. um, Christian, not Christian. Uh, so it was all over the board. Uh, so my it, like my influences like at a young age, uh, 
a band that I loved from the time I was like nine years old was UB40. Um, okay. So, you know, reggae uh, <laughs> kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so then as I got older, I really, um, the, the 90s alt rock scene really um, grabbed my attention. Um, I love, love Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. Um, that was kind of band. So I'm a big Cure fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, as I got slightly older, I matured and I found a guy named Bruce Springsteen who revolutionized my entire approach to music. Nice. Um, and um, I mean, you know, you grow up, you know who Bruce Springsteen is, right? Mm-hmm. But actually getting down and listening to him. I'm a, I'm a big, when it comes to books, I'm a big Steinbeck fan. I love John Steinbeck. Mm-hmm. And his, I think Bruce Springsteen's storytelling approach is very similar to Steinbeck's um, literature. Um, to a point that Bruce even wrote a song about Tom Joad, who is a major character in Steinbeck. Book. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think he and I grew up reading a lot of the same stuff. But um, so, yeah, Bruce really uh, influences me, you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, another band that popped up on the scene in 2003, uh, The Killers. Um, okay. Whenever Killers hit, I was like, okay, that's, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a, so when you talk about last year's model, all of those pieces, just that's what makes who we are. So, you know, we aren't 80s music, we aren't 90s music, but we are all of those things combined uh, with modern production elements. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, um, that was something I appreciated the most about the album is you definitely have like 80s and 90s vibes in there, but then it, it sounds new as well and, and you have really great production um and there were a lot of moments on the album that that to me sounded familiar or like maybe there was something else i'd heard that sounded kind of like that but in a lot of instances i couldn't put my finger on it you know and i think that's the mark of a, a good band is when, when something sounds like maybe familiar in a way or and it's appealing but like you can't say oh this band sounds ex- exactly like this other band you know yeah and, and that was you know for 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 forever in my own musical um ventures i wanted to be other artists mm-hmm. i always like emulate and then just finally i found my own voice and when i found my own voice that's when things really all just took off and and, and gelled together um and so yeah that you're you're dead on with that like that's i actually intentionally write things that i'm like um, I want it to sound familiar. I want a song to feel like I've been here before, but at the same time, I haven't. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. Yeah. And then who you said as your influences made a whole lot of sense to me too, because I was kind of writing down just bands that popped into my head when I listened to your record. And <clears throat> I mean, with some of the kind of songs with 80s synth and whatnot, I wrote down like Depeche Mode or like a little of the Cars, you know, kind of that, all right, the cars and the passion—they're both—they're both very influential. Uh, mm-hmm. um, What's that? Grand Duran is a band that is very uh, influential on us as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you, yeah, you're nailing it, man. All those bands—it's—it's uh, uh, it's a very—it's a hodgepodge, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, another ones I wrote were like 
Um, I mean, Chris, thinking Christian, like Grandma Train, like they popped into my head, or uh, Chevelle a little yeah. bit, a little bit. And then uh, vocally, I don't know how many people even know this band, um, but like Day of Fire, you're, oh. vocally, you reminded me a bit of that guy. Um, and a little bit of Bob Seger, you know, I was trying to think of, uh, of that. So Bruce Springsteen makes sense too, but yeah. Yeah, Bob, Bob Seger. Um, I can definitely sing some Bob Seger. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, it's funny you said Grandma Train. Um, they were one of my favorite bands in the 90s. Uh, okay. And uh, Pete Stewart is a genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who doesn't know that, like the amount of, not just like his own stuff, but the amount of stuff he produced for other bands or wrote songs. I mean, it's like, it, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's, hands have touched his fingerprints are all over a lot of stuff yeah have you gotten to meet pete uh i have met pete um a very long time ago um not i mean not a, not in a way that i'd say like oh yeah i know pete but yeah, yeah i mean we're friends on social media and we've had multiple conversations um uh, over messenger and such uh i followed his journey pretty closely Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so just a plug for grandma train anyone if you haven't heard of them go listen they're a phenomenal band um pete is an amazing songwriter and vocalist and they also have one of the best drummers paul Rohrabach, that i know of and best bassist dalton Rohrabach. and i feel like basically no one who is they knows who they are so yeah it's amazing like they they had a ton of respect and cred in the Seattle scene, you mm-hmm. know, but, uh, but uh, and a lot of those bands, you know, that were big in, you know, um, Pearl Jam, but they knew who those guys were and they, they all had respect for them. So mm-hmm. that's- yeah. And actually I'm going to have Paul um, on one of the next episodes uh, talking about his solo music. So I'm looking forward to that, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah. As I was listening to the album, uh, I just was trying to take some notes about about the lyrics, um, things we could maybe talk about. And the first thing that came up was uh, like, who's this Al guy? Because uh, he really sounds like a terrible person. You know, he doesn't answer you when you call, doesn't take you seriously. Like, how'd you get mixed up with a guy like that? So, Al, um, what do you, what, I, I try not to, I mean, I don't mind spelling it out. Uh, <laughs> But I get nervous about like interpreting songs because I don't want people to take it um, other than what. So a lot of people take that song as like, oh, it's a toxic relationship. Well, it is a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. It's actually a chemical relationship. The song's not about uh, a person. It's about alcohol. Oh, okay. Alcohol. Wow. Well, that makes and, a lot of sense. And so, um, And so me personally, I've never struggled with any kind of chemical dependence uh i that's not my thing but i um have been able to empathize with those who have and i just kind of put myself in the shoes of somebody who it was in that struggle of you know i I see it all the time in uh, dependency situations where people know they need to get away from it they know nobody needs to tell somebody who's dependent on a substance that they need to stop doing it they know Mm -hmm. that they can't yeah even though they can look there and see like, this is destroying me. It's pulling me away from my kids. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they can't stop doing it, even though they know I'm going to lose my children. I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my family, blah, blah, blah. And they, so that, that was, you know, 
that's that relationship there is that person speaking directly to that substance yeah and trying yeah and i know like on a personal level i mean i grew up with a lot of that in my family so so i had that experience um I, and perhaps partly for that reason, I've never struggled with it or found it particularly appealing, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, just recently I was talking to a friend, a coworker actually, and they were discussing how they felt like they were drinking too much because they're going through a hard time and they're really struggling. And, you know, they were telling me like, I, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but you know, it's so hard and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I get it. Uh, then I guess the question is, what's the next step? So, yep. And that's, yeah, that, that is, that is the question. How do you, how do you get out of that? Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, and uh, it sounds like that song wasn't per se, but uh, the, the vibe that I got from the album is that a lot of it was kind of autobiographical. W would you say that that's accurate? Um in some ways yeah there is a there is an overarching narrative mm -hmm. um of finding peace finding um home mm -hmm. a uh you know the song al mm -hmm. uh, has a line um you want to go home don't you want to go home alice has a line about don't you want to go home and then the song the album ends with the song home um and what that means and finding that rest so yeah yeah there is a there's some autobiographical but um then also some of the elements are not um running after trouble is most autobiographical biographical song okay. uh, um that one is verbatim <laughs> okay that one might be a little too close to the uh best um for some people um my uh I have a sister who can't listen to that song without crying because of how uh, it's spot on. Um, then uh, some of the other songs, no, um, they're not necessarily that way. But yeah, there is a lot of that overarching theme throughout the album. Yeah. Well, and, and that was the next song that I, I guess I really wanted to ask you about because, um, because it, I mean, it sounded autobiographical. At least it was, you know, some compelling lyrics and you, you write some, I guess, kind of hard hitting lines in that song. Like, um, let's see, what did I write down? Like, daddy was a preacher, was a real bad man, had a belt by his side, holy book in his hand, you know, and you go on and that's, that's kind of the whole vibe of the song. So uh, it sounds like that's just a reflection of what you grew up with. Yeah. Um, my father was an abuser. Uh, he was an alcoholic. Uh, mm -hmm. he was a preacher um so it was um uh, yeah it was all across the board man and then uh then when i was nine years old my dad uh faked his death yikes and so that's why the line says got a call on the telephone saying he died happened before mm -hmm. um so he actually died five years ago this october um so yeah um that uh and then the, uh, people keep asking me, what's the line about the CIA? So when we found out my dad was still alive, I was 24. And my dad told people we weren't actually his kids and that he used to be a CIA operative. Oh, wow. And that we're his East 
agent's children and he stepped in like a surrogate father role for us. And um, so that's why it says uh, Papa had to lie and join the CIA. You know, it was, <laughs> it was all because that was, that was his cover story for, oh, who are these children that just popped up out of nowhere? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, I, I may or may not have experienced similar levels of crazy in, in my life growing up. Um, so it's actually not terribly difficult for me to relate to that. Um, and I think, you know, obviously it's maybe difficult for some people to listen to that or relate to that. Um, or maybe in the case of a family member difficult because it brings up memories, but, um, you know, I, I guess my thought is hopefully when someone's writing from that place that that will help them to, to reflect and to uh, give other people the tools to maybe process some of those things that they went through. So do you know what the song um, Alive by, Jer by uh, Pearl Jam's about? Um, I, I don't know. So it's actually a very tragic song uh, and it's autobiographical for him. It's not um the first verse is the second verse he kind of in his own words like i embellished and just made things a little more weird than they were um but the song was very personal to him very deep and then and it wasn't a song that was supposed to be like anthemic but the mm -hmm. song you know I'm still alive like i mean that's the message i'm still alive right well they started playing it live and when they were playing it live, the crowds were like singing it back. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's like the song was redeemed by the crowds. He's like, my story was redeemed by the crowd because that chorus that was meant to be, um, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't really meant to be this like cheering anthem thing. All of a sudden it became that for people because they were like saying, I've been through crap, but I'm still alive. And uh, so that's kind of a little similar idea of what's happening there and running after trouble. It's like, you know, um, yeah, I had a lot of crap happening, but I still have hope. Yeah. I, um, uh, you know, there's still, as long as there's that light with a dream in my hand and a flickering light, as long as that's still there, I've got a hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, and would you say that for you, like faith has been a part of that? Um, like like what, what personally gives you hope? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so even though, you know, I can you know, talk about my dad being a preacher and I'm not, I'm, you know, the term deconstructing gets thrown around a lot lately. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that means something different to almost every person who says it. Um, I have gone through a faith process where I've had a lot of my um, personal belief challenge, personal belief stripped down. Um, but it wasn't to, it wasn't a, disavowing of God, a disavowing of Jesus. It wasn't anything like that. It was more of a uh, finding it on my own versus what I've been told um, and, and understanding uh, Christ in a personal nature, not in a um, church. Here's how you have to believe nature. And I'm very much a person who believes in doctrine. I'm very much a person who believes in uh, theology um, but I also think our theologies and our doctrines can trip us up from actually meeting who Christ is. And so, um, so yeah, that is a lot of my, my, a lot of my hope, a lot of my, uh, expression of that comes through that relationship. Yeah. And I mean, just thinking about the gospel and what Jesus said, he said, you know, 
<clears throat> no one comes to the father except through me. You know, I'm the way and the true and truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He doesn't say except through these other guys who say they're following me, you know, like, it's like, you need to, you need to know me so that you, that you can get to the father. And I think as you pointed out frequently, you know, people can, can get in the way of that. You know, <clears throat> I've kind of quipped before uh, that the gospel is a stumbling block, but we like to put more blocks in front of the gospel. So absolutely. I mean, or, or speaking of which I'm, I'm wearing a Steve Taylor shirt right now, which no one else can see, but, but like back in the eighties, he wrote that song. I want to be a clone. And, and that was pretty much about exactly what you're talking about. I think so. Yeah. Steve, he wrote some great lyrics. Mm -hmm. some great lyrics. I don't know why I spoke about him like he's dead. Uh, <laughs> Steve is very much alive. He's, he's working as a, a professor at a college now, actually. So. I mean, he still, he still does stuff. Uh, I mean, he did that. He did a lot of stuff on the Electric Jesus uh, project. So yeah, which actually is going to be my very next interview. So lots of connections here. Um, Chris, I said hey. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and I don't know. Maybe I'll uh, I'll jump ahead though and kind of look at some of your other songs here. Um, I mean, as you kind of alluded to. Uh, there's a theme that goes throughout your whole album. And I think one of the themes that runs throughout it the most is just the theme of running mm -hmm. <clears throat> to an extent that it was almost comical when I was listening to the songs. I think almost every song says running at some point in it, like in the song heartbeat, maybe the song doesn't say that specifically, but it says, you know, the further I get from you, the closer I get to where I am. Or the next song, Rendezvous, you know, yeah. and which has a really cool melody um, and vocal, by the way, but just says running rendezvous, running just to be with you. And it kind of keeps going on through the album and then you get home at the end. So, yeah. There you go. That's how it all pulls together. Yeah. And, and the, a lot of that running, if you if that happens in, in those songs, like, that, that tension, it's a tension of of getting out from underneath of control, getting out from underneath of the places that you don't want to be. Um, heartbeat is actually about um, control, psychological control that um, a lot of people experience in such in church situations or things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So that's where that uh, comes from. Um, and then um, and sometimes you're running from a place. Sometimes you're running to a place. Um, I think we're all on a journey um, and that's uh, figuring out, where you're supposed to be, where you're not supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's why all, that's why it all, you know, the, the capstone there is the song home because it is about finding that place where you finally feel safe. You finally feel at peace. Mm -hmm. You feel like I could stay there forever. And that's why the line, um, girl, I'm hoping they find us like Valdaro. If you've never looked at the image of the Valdaro lovers, the Valdaro lovers is a story about two people. We don't know who they are, nothing about them, other than the fact that they died at some point in time together in each other's arms. And we found their, their remains, their skeleton, a thousand years later in Italy. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what that means, is being able to find that place you feel comfortable that you could be for forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the things that you're bringing up, like I said, that kind of made me think of like my childhood and the way things were like, um, <clears throat> I know, I mean, for example, like I said, my dad was an alcoholic and, and my parents 
uh, divorced when I was probably about six years old. And that relationship slowly faded for the next 15 plus years, you know, to where I didn't talk to him at all. You know, um, <clears throat> actually, I do have a relationship with him now, though, and he, he's in a better place. Um, right. Yeah, he uh, drinking almost killed him, but it didn't. And now he's he's safe and, and sober and everything. So that's exactly. a miracle, I think. But yeah, my, my mom had gotten remarried, you know, and this kind of goes back to maybe some of the ugliness that people can see in the church too. Um, my, my stepdad was a, a pretty dishonest guy and he, he was a businessman, if you could call him that. And he would frequently just cheat people out of money. And I remember uh, she tried to take him to counseling at a church, you know, and, and the pastor kind of gave this defense for him, like, oh, he just has an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> and it was like so obviously that situation didn't work out very well you know and we ended up at a different church and there were maybe a couple situations like that where we ended up at different churches because people handled um situations like that so badly you know and, and then there's this this effort like you said to try to find a place where you you do feel at home and safe and protected and I think that's really what we're all looking for in life is a place where we can just breathe. Yeah. Where we feel a calm. And um, so that's really what that song's about. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another great Pearl Jam song, by the way, Just Breathe. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's see what else I, I wrote some notes about. Well, I, I really like the song One Hit Wonder, too, which I thought was also pretty appropriate for a band that's putting out their first album. You know, I don't want to be just a one hit wonder. I want to be the one that you love forever. But uh, um, I mean, musically, it's it's a really cool rocker. But but obviously, <clears throat> there's a little bit more to the song than what I just said. And you have some cool analogies for for all the vinyl lovers out there, too. But that was so, yeah, that was that was kind of a tip of the hat to uh people who are, you know, vinyl kind of, you know, it's making this comeback, right? Mm -hmm. um, has made a comeback. And um, so, yeah, there's there's a mix there of, uh, it's telling two stories at once, for sure. Um, so it's, a, it's about, a, you know, the, the nobody wants to just be written off as a one-hit wonder. Um, no, you know, but when it comes to relationships, you don't want to be just somebody who's just in it for a minute. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, and then here, if you like records, you'll enjoy those analogies. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Maybe I didn't write this down, but but there was another song where I I made a note that was kind of related to that, where I was like, this would be a this would have been a radio hit back when bands had hits on the radio, you know, like. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now now. Uh, Hopefully we can all find creative ways to get our music out and get it in front of people. But for better or worse, I think radio has kind of bit the dust. So yeah, they're not going to play a rock song, which is not. Yeah. So, any other depressing things you'd like to tell me? <laughs> any other depressing things I'd like to tell you? Um, I don't know. I mean, you've gotten some pretty cool mentions from people online already. Yeah. I, I saw HM kind yeah. of plugged your album the other day. So a lot of good support there actually they uh, did an interview with us that they're going to be uh, publishing here soon okay that's awesome um yeah but i mean that's kind of the main reason that i started this podcast too uh maybe like your friend really got into recording 
during COVID because it was convenient. Um, <clears throat> and I, I didn't really get started with this until recently, kind of theoretically at the end of COVID, but it's looking less like that may be the case now, unfortunately. But yeah. but I've done concert promotion for 10 plus years up until COVID. And obviously I haven't been able to do that since then. So I was sitting around trying to figure out how I could do the things I wanted to. And I thought, well, you know, maybe doing a podcast would be a really great way for me to share like my love of music with others and, and bands that I think people should pay attention to. So very cool. Yeah. That's a great way to go. Oh, I guess the, the song I wrote that about was the song of a girl. So of a girl should be a radio hit. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been, and you're right. Like it, it, it easily in the, 80s or 90s would have been a big song yeah for sure I, i'm okay with that a lot of people are like man if this album released 20 years ago you guys would be huge and i'm like yeah i don't write it because like i mean obviously i would love for millions of people to hear these songs mm -hmm. and i'm okay with people saying oh this song would have been huge 20 years ago but i'm not gonna like do over synthesized over compressed over production sorry produced stuff um just to get so i'm gonna write what i love and if yeah. that means big 25 30 years ago cool whatever uh but um hopefully maybe someday uh you know, maybe after i'm dead and gone somebody <laughs> will find one somewhere and be like oh man this was great so you know, you know. yeah i mean and i guess maybe we shouldn't be so pessimistic i think i know we both work in the music industry though so maybe that's why we are um but you know, th there are bands out there that, that still do do get exposure now, sometimes without even trying, you know, somehow someone, the right person comes across a song on YouTube or whatever, and it resonates, and then they're able to put it out there in front of people. So um, <clears throat> that's, that's always a hope. But, you know, I mean, even, I mean, even thinking about this podcast, you know, I, I probably... I'm never going to have millions of listeners, um, you know, but I've already gotten some messages from some people who said, you know, oh, I, I found that interview really, really moving, or there was something really interesting to me about that, or, oh, I went and listened to this band. I hadn't heard of them. So for me, you know, even if I'm just getting those messages from a handful of people, it's like, oh, well, that's why I'm doing this. So that's great, you know? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's the stuff that keeps you moving is when people connect to a song and they love it and it speaks to them. Mm -hmm. and yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. And another song I thought maybe could have been kind of a radio hit was uh let's see, what was the song? Oh maybe it was Have a Girl. Yeah. But but another wrote note that I, I wrote about it was that um like music and lyrically it kind of made me think of uh like something that Roy Orbison might have written, you know? Like yeah. And obviously you've got a different voice and all that, but you like it had both um, a little kind of 60s riff vibe at one point, but then you've got like the 80s too. So, and and he kind of played in both areas. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I loved Roy Orbison as a kid. I was a big Roy Orbison fan. So. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I know you said you love Elvis and, and I've learned to appreciate his music a little bit more, but, but honestly, I've never really been an Elvis fan, you know, I, I like a few of his songs. I, I think a lot of what he did was kind of cheesy. Um, I mean, which, which is just part of the era too, probably, but like, 
I've always liked some of his contemporaries, like like Roy Orbison or Chuck Berry or Johnny Cash, like just a little bit more for for whatever reason. But I listen, I listen to all those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're all then Johnny Cash is a. I I learned to appreciate my vocals more by listening to Johnny Cash. I struggled with accepting my vocals, mm-hmm. like as to I wanted to sound pretty. Oh yeah, I wanted to sound. Be able to do things like what a Brandon Flowers of the Killers can do, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes you just have to accept your voice for what it is and learn to work within the parameters of that. And Johnny's a good example of that. Yeah, well, I think I heard a story that he actually showed up to take vocal lessons one day because he wanted to quote unquote get better or change his vocal style. And he sang a song for this teacher, and they just said, "You don't need lessons. Just go." go do what you're doing and, and keep doing that because it's awesome. So absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And you've definitely got uh, a good voice, a unique voice. You can pull off that, that hard rock kind of sound when you want to, which, which a lot of people can't do, you know, and I feel like less and less, we have less and less singers out there who are trying to do that right now. So like you're, you might be benefiting in a way too, by the fact that you're, you're choosing to to do a different style so thanks i, I hope so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean speaking of which like i really really like the song bite my tongue too um which might be the best just rock song on the album um it's got a really great driving riff guitar solo um lyrics i mean i did want to ask you about the lyrics on that too you know it said like you can be a holy roller, but Friday night on your knees. Is that, is that how it starts? Uh-huh. And then uh, you can be a new prescription fulfilling all kinds of needs. You can be the Holy Spirit completely mystifying me. You could be the devil in a red dress misdirecting me. You know, <clears throat> I thought those were some pretty interesting lyrics. But so I will. This is a song that I don't get too into the details on because a is a song that I really want people to apply however they need to apply it to themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but a lot of it is just um, about, you know, just um, navigating situations and things that you got to be uh, just present on. Um, and uh, and that people can be different things to you mm-hmm. in um, your relationship with them. Um, and that's why there's those, you know, back and forth lines of you can be this or you can be that, you can be this. Um, it, it's about they, they can be, people can be multiple things to you at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we all have multiple sides to who we are. There's nobody who's just black and white. There's nobody who's one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, maybe, uh, I mean, songs like people can, I guess, be different things to different people. And, and you know, sometimes that there is maybe that benefit to not, not saying exactly what's happening in the song or even writing something that could be taken different ways, you know? Um, well, the reality is, the, re- the reality is, is, you know, sometimes people are like, oh man, what did you mean in this lyric here? And it's like, well, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it sounded cool. It just popped into my head. You know, I heard it somewhere, you know, I, I've heard that from a lot of bands, you know, so. There's not always a heady response to every line. Yeah. So. Well, and that was something I asked Phil in the last interview, too. I was kind of like, well, what was your purpose or, or mission? Like, what were you trying to accomplish? And he was like, 
He's like, I think you're asking something that like didn't really exist. You know, he's like, we were just, just guys in a rock band trying to have fun, you know? Yeah. That's one of the things, you know, especially coming out of the, 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 the Christian world with music. It's like, everything's a mission. Everything's a purpose, everything. And sometimes like, you know, I just make music because I like making music. I don't necessarily have this like desire to um, change the world through being in a band. I think people put too much pressure on musicians too many expectations on musicians and that doesn't matter if they're christian artists if they're secular artists, whatever you want to call it like if a song impacts you awesome mm-hmm. if a song causes you to evaluate something in your life awesome but i don't know i mean to sit down and be like i'm going into music because i want to like make the world a better place okay how yeah <laughs> Maybe just make some really great music that's personal and then you'll make the world a better place, right? You know? Focus on the music. Focus on making good quality music that you enjoy. Your favorite, uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, Dave Grohl is he was asked one time, who's your favorite band? Who do you think he said? I have no idea. He said Foo Fighters. He goes, oh. if, if the music I'm making is not my favorite music, why am I making it? Mm-hmm. I love the music we make. I hope other people do, and it seems like they do, but I don't care if they do mm-hmm. because I make the music that I love. Mm-hmm. So, and if that inspires other people and if that gets other people listening to music, heck, if, our, if us writing a song cut, pick, causes a kid to pick up a guitar at 12 years old, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I have a lot of thoughts off of that, <laughs> but wow. I mean, one thought I've had over the years is like you said, people get get weird, you know, particularly in a certain industry, like they feel like you need to have a specific message or purpose um, behind your music. But I know growing up, like I, I just listened to everything too, you know, um, I mean, I kind of started listening to Christian radio when like Audio Adrenaline and Switchfoot and DC Talk and all those bands were around. Um, but Around the same time, I also discovered my dad had this massive classic rock collection. And not just classic rock, but like every genre you could possibly imagine. Thousands of albums. And, you know, I would just pick things out and mostly pick them out based on what bands I thought had cool names. You know, I'd be like, oh, the Eagles, that sounds kind of cool. Aerosmith, like, you know, Rolling Stones, whatever. Like, oh, this band's got a cool name. I'll listen to them. Uh, But, um, you know... I think something that I've come to over the years is that like, I always look for bands that I think I feel like have heart and they're writing music with heart. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that they're approaching things from an angle or a specific message, but like that they have something to say that's personal, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, a couple bands that come to mind personally are like, like U2 or like Boston or, Billy Joel, I think he does a good job at that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. U2 is a great example of a band who used theirs. That's a band you can literally say, okay, they changed the world. Maybe not the whole world, but they impacted parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Through the um, and used their own fame and success to be able to change the lives of people in Africa. That's, that's a different thing. And that, to me, should... If I were to get in that position of making it big, that would be my hope. Yeah. A similar thing where you can use your platform to highlight and shine a light on other issues that people need to be paying. Absolutely. And I think you're on a bit of a 
time crunch now, right? Do you need to, to head out? Okay. Well, uh, do, do you have any concluding thoughts or anything you'd like to share? I, I just really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to me. And um, yeah, they can uh, the new album, Neon Lights Collection, can be picked up anywhere you stream music, iTunes, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, Deezer, all of them. Um, you can, anywhere you do music, you can find the album. Uh, you can just say, Alexa, play the Neon Lights Collection. And it works. It's really cool. I really get a high out of that. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, and then uh, they can check us out on all social media um, and um, at lastyearsmodelmusic.com. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. And it was great talking to you. Oh, you too. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you later, Bob. Yep. Adios. Thank you so much for listening to episode number four of the Devaney Music Podcast. And thank you very much to Brendan Gallagher of Last Year's Model for taking the time to interview. Please make sure to check out their website, lastyearsmodelmusic.com, where you can find links to all of their social media. You can also stream or purchase their new album, The Neon Lights Collection, on Spotify, Amazon, and basically anywhere else where you find your music. I do highly recommend that you listen to the album because it is well worth it. The intro track for this podcast was created by Barry Blair, the original guitarist for Audio Adrenaline. Barry also has music up on Spotify, which is worth checking out. And he was also recently featured on the Christian Music Archive podcast. So make sure to look that podcast up at christianmusicarchive.com. This episode was edited by the talented and good-looking Chris Cooner. Today's episode was also brought to you by absolutely no one. But you can change that. If you would like to sponsor an episode of the Devani Music Podcast or advertise with us, then simply send an email to devaniproductions at gmail.com. That's D-E-V-A-N-E-Y, productions at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, please follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, not to mention your favorite podcast app. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Anchor, SoundCloud, Breaker, and Radio Public. You may also subscribe via RSS at anchor.fm slash devmusicpod. If you really enjoyed today's podcast and would like to leave a tip, you may do so by clicking the support button at anchor.fm slash devmusicpod. Just think of it like you would tipping your barista. Except your barista probably spent about 60 seconds making you your coffee drink, and Chris and I probably spent at least a few hours making this podcast. Just something to think about. All donations go towards production or promotion. Whether you choose to support us or not, we would greatly appreciate your feedback. If you have any thoughts, comments, or questions about today's episode or a previous episode, then please let us know via social media or email. Thank you again for listening, and stay tuned for our next episode with Chris White, the director of the new musical comedy film, Electric Jesus.